30 years old, amen, appreciate that, and uh, it's good to see everybody here, and uh, I don't know, I might need a little bit of laughter, y'all like laughter? Let me look over here, I don't think we have any blonde-headed ladies in here that would be offended by this. This is too good, I got to share it. And you know my little saying, you might as well laugh when you can because you're going to do plenty of crying. So let's laugh a little bit and have a merry heart. Two factory workers were talking. He said, I know how to get some time off from work, said one man. How do you think you're going to do that, said the blonde. Proceeding to show her by climbing up the rafters and hanging upside down. And the boss walked in. He saw the worker hanging from ceiling and asked him, what on earth are you doing? He said, I'm a light bulb, answered the guy. He said, I think you need some time off, and said the boss. And so the man jumped down and walked out and started going to the house. The blonde began walking out too. The boss asked her, where do you think you're going? She said, well, we can't work in the dark. <laughs> Come on now. Even if that was cheesy, you're supposed to laugh. How many of y'all think that was cheesy? Yeah, cheesy, cheesy. I know Robert West is having a ball like now. He don't like me doing jokes. But Brother Robert, you ain't here. But we do appreciate everybody that's online, and if you're watching online, we hope the service will be a great blessing to you. I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like the least to be up here tonight, and uh, I'm thankful we have a mighty God. Aren't you thankful for that? How many of y'all know that little chorus, what a mighty God we serve? How many of y'all know that? Let's sing it. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve again. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. I'm glad we have a mighty God. Amen. I want to try to bring a message the next three Wednesday nights to finish out our uh, home improvement month on Wednesday. And uh, I just want you to know now, all of this information is not original with me. And uh, I say that to give tribute to the person that shared it with me and many others many years ago. What I plan on doing is going through every book of Proverbs and looking at specific principles that traits, characteristic, biblical principles that I believe we should have ex expectations for our spouses to have and for us to have. Then also, my thought on that is we have, let me see, I've got the number right here. Every year, over 2 million couples in America get married. Two million, over 2 million every year in America, young couples get married. 
And uh, we've been in the ministry a long time, and I think the greatest decision you make other than getting saved is who's going to be your life's mate. How many of y'all agree with that? So that choice, that decision of what to look for in someone that you're going to marry, there should be some things in them and in their lives that I think should be something they strive for. So it's kind of twofold. And you say, well, pastor, I'm already married. Well, good. These are principles that you can ask God to help for you to implement in your life. But it's twofold. If you know somebody that's getting ready to get married or you're going to have children, you have children, and you say, well, they're young right now, Pastor. Well, I know they're young right now, but they're not going to be young forever. They're going to get married, and these are things that you can help them with. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the greatest mistakes people make in life is how they marry. Now, there's no perfect person. Um, I do very few weddings in a year. I've made my mind up that I will not marry anyone unless they're willing to receive counsel from me and my wife. I just don't do it. I don't do it. And uh, it's not that I'm I'm for people getting married. I just, if I'm going to marry someone, I want to make sure. And then I've made my statements that if I give that counsel and I still don't feel good about that marriage, I'm still not doing the marriage. And the reason being is I believe that, and we're going to deal with this later, I believe that someone should really understand how serious marriage is. But really... I want to deal with this to encourage us not only to ask God to help us to be these kind of spouses, to have these principles in our life, but also that we might can teach others, help others. You're going to have children, grandchildren, young people that you're working with. And you know as well as I do, and I'm going to share this later, but Miss Kyla shared this with me. She was speaking about Dr. James Dobson, and of course, He's with Focus with the Family. Now, I don't agree with everything about Dr. Dobson, but I'll say this. I know that he has spent a lifetime ministering to married couples, and he's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom when it comes to marriage. And if I say this right, I think I heard it right, Miss Kyla. And it didn't surprise me, but she said uh, they asked him what was the one, if he could give one advice, one bit of advice uh, to a couple that's getting ready to get married what would that be? And I was kind of shocked by what he said. Not shocked, but kind of shocked. He said this. He said, well, if they have parents that love the Lord and they're Christians, he said, the greatest advice I could give them is they need to listen to their parents. That's pretty powerful stuff. So let's look at these expectations. Now, the book of Proverbs, we're going to start out in the book of Proverbs. We're going to end in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to start in chapter 1. So we're going to look through the whole book. So I'm going to give you 31 points. <laughs> Not all tonight. But we're going to give one a chapter. Now why? Because in the book of Proverbs, the Lord provides us with a table of contents in the first four verses of the book. Now if you was to go and look at a table of contents in a book, you're going to look at that table. And by the way, I used to do that. I'd look at the table of contents because I know what that book's all about. Well, the first four verses of the book of Proverbs is the table of, uh, of contents of what you're going to find in the book 
of Proverbs. I want you to notice them with me. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Verse 2, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain into wise counsel. So let me just say right off the bat, the table of contents and who does not need all of this in our lives. I mean, when you think about this table of contents, it's like if I go to the store or if I go to a restaurant and look at a restaurant and they put a menu up and say, here, this is what you can get when you go to this restaurant. Well, that's what God says here in the first four verses. He says, look, let me tell you what you're going to get when you read the book of Proverbs. Look at the table of contents. He says, wisdom. How many of you feel like we all could use wisdom? Who could use instruction? Who could understand perceiving? What about receiving? What about justice? What about judgment? What about equity? What, we hear a lot about equity today. What about subtly? What about knowledge? What about discretion? I mean, these are the table of contents. And God says, as we read through the book, these are the things we're going to receive. By the way, every marriage, every spouse needs these things in their life. So we see that the book of Proverbs, what does it begin? It begins, it opens, now listen to me, it opens with the father's counsel to his son. It opens with the father's counsel to his son. And by the way, it ends in the book of Proverbs with his mother teaching him. I want you to notice the book of Proverbs is an amazing thing. The father pours out his heart to his son and he's trying to instruct him in the ways of righteousness. He's trying to instruct him in the ways of wisdom. He's trying to instruct him in the ways of equity. And so absolutely, there's so many vital things here that a father tries to impart unto his son. And you know what's something that's frustrating and uh, this is something we need to pray about, but we also need to ask God to help all of us men to have wisdom and how to instruct our sons. God, give us wisdom how to instruct our sons. Now listen, I, I have some regrets in my life. One of them is not listening to my parents when I was younger. We get to this age and we think our parents are quite foolish and we think, well, I tell you what, they don't really know what's going on. They're not with the times. No, your parents are wise, especially if they're Christians, you ought to listen to them. And let me just say this, even after you get up and out of the home and you become an adult, you don't have to obey them anymore. The Bible says you're to obey your parents in the Lord, that's for children, but you're always to honor them. There's a difference between obeying your parents. I have two parents. They are sitting, they backslid on God tonight. They're sitting in the second row from the back. Hey, and, uh, and, and they, uh, why did I say, and I got off on that and I forgot what I was going to say. It's not good, is it? There's a lot of regrets I have in life, but I thought my parents were foolish. But as a child, I should have obeyed them more. I did obey them some. I tried to obey them, but there were many times I didn't listen. I thought I knew better. 
But then as I'm older, I'm older, I have my own children, I have my own home, I, I no longer have obeyed them, but I will say this, if I honor my parents, if you honor your parents, if your parents are still alive, you might not do everything they say, but you'll honor them, at least we'll listen to them. Take pause. So we see here that the book of Proverbs starts with a father instructing his son, and we find in chapter 31 a mother teaching her son. So we see the two end caps here is a father instructing the son and is the son willing to listen and then at the end to double tap it the mother's trying to teach them things that she has learned and excuse me things she can learn from him. So as we look through this book let's find these these table of contents. Uh, these are things these principles that I'm going to pull out out of each chapter should be a principle or should be Something, it should be a principle that we should desire to exemplify in our lives. Now, Pastor Sexton, this is his information. And he gave this in a way of what to look for in a life's mate. That is why he brought this, this message out. I was in the church when he brought this message. And I was already married, but my goodness, how helpful it was to me, even though I was married, because look, if it's what we should be looking for in a life's mate, then we should expect that's what our life's mate has. So we have these expectations. I've learned something else about life and people. I've learned that many times we expect someone else to be more than what we're willing to be ourselves. And so if I'm going to sit there and expect something from my spouse... I should expect it from me. So these are some expectations or some principles that we ought to be working on in our lives. So real quick, we got to go through 31 of them. We probably won't get through four or five tonight, but we'll get there by the end of the month. Let me just give you the first one. Look in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. We've already read the verse, but the Bible says, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Here it is. Are you all ready? This is it. Write them down. These are things that people should be looking for in a life's mate. And by the way, I don't think it's good for young people to date. I think it's good for young people to court. You say, Pastor, what's the difference? Well, you ought to be careful who you date because when you start courting somebody, you're, you're going to date somebody that could be, a op, could be a mate. Amen. I wouldn't waste any time dating somebody that's not going to be a probable mate. There should be some characteristics in these people that we're falling in love with or that we're spending all this time in. There ought to be things we're looking for in their life. Why? Because there's expectations of marriage. So the first one's this. And listen, some of these you're going to say, oh, I knew that. But some of these might be very helpful. We can help other young people understand. Number one, they should receive instruction. They should receive instruction. Instruction. In other words, here it is. Are they teachable or are they a know-it-all? By the way, you want to be married to a know-it-all? You know what that tells you? If you're married, if you're dealing or dating someone or someone's uh, looking for to be the right kind of life's mate, if they can never be taught anything, if they know everything, guess what? You're never going to teach them anything. They're not going to have a teachable spirit. And by the way, can I just say this? I've been saved for over 40 years. And it amazes me how much I learn every day and how many mistakes I realize I make. And I realize more today how much I need the Lord than I did 30 years ago. We've got to remain teachable. 
We've got to remain teachable. We've got to be a teachable someone. We ought to be teachable. Are we teachable? Are we? We should be teachable. You know what I've learned? I've learned a lot from children. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I've learned a lot of I, I've learned a lot from children if I'll just humble myself and pay attention and listen and watch children, especially how much they just faith God. Their little minds, man, the Bible tells us that we ought to have faith as a little child. Why? Because, man, a child, when you go up to him and you tell them something, especially some of they have con, they have con, uh, they've got a little bit of um, trust in, hey, confidence in, man, they just believe it. They, I mean, they believe it. And so God says we're to have faith like a little child. And, man, I tell you right now, I've learned, I've been convicted by children. We ought to be teachable. We ought to be able to receive instruction. And by the way, I say this to young ladies all the time. I say, hey, how does he talk to his parents? Does he listen to his parents? How does he, does he receive instruction from his parents? Because listen, those parents are the most important people in his life at that moment. And they've shown him more love than anybody else. And if he's not going to listen to them, you can forget about him listening to you. You've got to be teachable teachable hey what they receive instruction let me ask this how do we receive a message how do we listen to a Sunday school lesson are we receiving instruction that's so important we're going to learn God says in verse 3 to this young man should receive instruction in other words He's teachable. There's the first. You say, Pastor, are you really saying that I ought to be teachable tonight? Yes. For the sake of your home, for the sake of your spouse, for the sake of the Lord and you growing as a Christian, we must remain teachable. Number two, this is one that I don't even feel like I'm even really should even talk about tonight. It's convicting. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let me give this one to you. A wise man will hear. And will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain into wise counsels. Are y'all ready? This one's it now. This one's tough. We're to be a good listener. I'm convicted by even saying that. You know why? Because I love to talk. How many of y'all with me? How many of you would rather talk than listen? How many of y'all alive tonight? All right, y'all help me now. How many of y'all can confess your sin with mine now? Because I know I've heard some of you. Amen. All right, how many of y'all have no problem talking? Would you raise your hand? How many of you love to talk? Yeah. All right, we do. I love to talk. You know, and to be fair, it's amazing. When I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I was scared to death to talk. I wouldn't even go up to a counter and ask for something. I'd get somebody else to go. I was scared to death even to go to a movie or somewhere to have to ask for a ticket because I was so backward and scared to talk. Now they're like, what in the world happened to you, Mark? But listen, here's what it is. Be a good listener. Here's what the Bible says. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. So here it is. Slow to speak and what? Ready to hear. Ready to hear. Do you know how you can tell when you're around somebody that's not a real good listener? Just talk to me a while and you'll find out. You know what, Pastor has to work at that thing. You know why? Because while you're talking, I'm loading up for my next sentence. 
God help us. And you know what happened? I've learned this. When I'm loading up for that sentence, I'm really not listening to the person talking to me. When I've got my mind somewhere else and I'm thinking on something else to say, huh, well, here's what I think needs to be said there. I'm not listening to what's at hand. And I'm missing some wonderful things. Here's the amazing thing. He says he is a wise man. It's just someone that will hear. How many of you wives think your husband has selective hearing? All right, gentlemen, here's your chance. Here's my chance. We ought to listen. Receives instruction. Hey, is a good listener. All right, let's look in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Let's just go right on down through here. Here it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here it is. Here's the question. Do they fear the Lord? Do I fear the Lord? They ought to fear the Lord. Now, this could go two ways. You know, if we're trying to help somebody looking for a life's mate or they're dating somebody and they've got some real concerns, say, well, here, let me ask you a question. Do they fear the Lord? Do they, do they have a respect? Do they have an honor for God? Do they fear the Lord? Do they respect Him? Do they know Him? Because the Bible says, why? It's the beginning of knowledge. Really, you know what the fear of the Lord does? It gives you courage. Now listen to me. I know what I'm talking about here. Boy, I'm telling you what. When you've got the courage of the Lord, when you are fearing the Lord like we ought to fear the Lord, what happens is that takes away all other fears. Lesser fears. Do you know what most people make decisions on? They're scared of what people will think. I'm being honest. Let's be honest. We make a lot of decisions because we're worried about the fear of what someone might think or what someone might reject or how they'll act. But you know what? You know why we don't go and witness to people? Because we're scared that they're going to reject us or they're going to turn us down. Do you know why sometimes we don't go and ask a question that needs to be asked? Because we're afraid of the response we'll get. We're afraid that someone might think, well, they'll think we're stupid. Do you know why we don't go and tell people things that we ought to go tell them in love? Because we're afraid we're going to make them mad and they're going to tell us off. See, a lot of things we do and don't do is because we have a fear of people. Now, we ought to love people. We ought to respect people. But here's why having the fear of God is so important. The fear of God, when we are in proper, right fear of the Lord, respecting Him, loving Him, and we have a fear of Him, a real genuine fear of Him and respect, then we don't, it doesn't matter to us what other people think. We want to do what that is right. It gives us courage. It gives us courage to stand for the Lord. Again, let's think about it. Some, sometimes people might think, man, I tell you what, those missionaries, they are just so full of courage. Well, really what they are, they have a fear of the Lord because that fear of the Lord has motivated them. They have such a great honor and love and fear towards God, it doesn't bother them. They're doing God's will and they know they're doing what God wants them to do so the ridicule doesn't bother them. It doesn't sidetrack them. See the fear of God. Think about it now. Ladies, every lady here deserves a man that fears God. Every lady here deserves a man that fears God. Why? You say, well, Pastor, if he fears God, it'll make him a mean man. No, it'll make him a humble man. It'll make him a man that is dependent upon the Lord because he knows that his strength comes from the Lord and it will make him a courageous man because when we have the right fear of the Lord, all other fears are put in their place. 
can I say we could look at this in so many different ways, but let me just keep moving on here. Notice this, and this is a big one. I'm going to close here. You say, well, Pastor, we're all adults. We all not, you know, we're married. You know, what does this have to do with us? It has everything to do with it because I think we need to be helping others and we need to be giving these tidbits of information and wisdom to our younger people. But here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 1.8. Notice what the Bible says. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, I want you all to write this down. If someone's looking for a life's mate, and I tell young people this all the time, they're dating someone or they're getting ready to get married, and, and if they come and ask me and they want me to tell them the truth, I'm going to say, well, here's one reason why I'm struggling with this young person is I see how they talk to their parents. You can mark her down. You mark her down. Listen, this is a tidbit of wisdom for you. You mark her down. I'm telling you right now, for your grandchildren, your children, for neighborhood kids that have confidence in you, if you have any influence in people's life at all, if there is someone dating a young lady or a young man and they talk to their parents like a dog, listen to me, they ain't the ones for you because I'm going to tell you right now, if they're going to talk to their parents like that, they're going to treat their parents like that and those parents have loved them and sacrificed for them and as far as their life at that point that's the greatest love they've known I want you to know they'll never until God gets a hold of their heart love their spouse like they should it's a sign because again that parent relationship think about it that is the only relationship that is the greatest in relationship to that child that mother has done everything for that child. That father has uh, sacrificed for that child. And there ought to be a love love there between the fathers. There ought to be a respect there between the child and the parents. And when they can just speak to their parents like they're nobodies, can you imagine when they get upset how they're going to speak to their spouse? Think about it. This ought to be something that we ought to put up on the wall. Hey, how is your boyfriend or someone you're getting ready to think about marriage? How are they talking to their parents? Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8, here's what it says. A wise man or my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. How do they speak to him? Here's another one. How do they listen to him? Do they receive the instruction of their parents? Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm 49. How many of y'all wish y'all could go back and listen to some of the things your parents told you not to do or to do? How many of you have to be honest and say, boy, I wish I'd have listened? They're not that stupid, are they? Now, I'm thankful. I want to say this. There's always room for improvement, and we're all going to fail. And by the way, all of these characteristics, we might not have these characteristics in our lives. And I'm not saying to you that if someone's dating somebody and they might have a little struggle in being a good listener, that's things that can be helped. Those are things that can be strengthened. But to be fair, it's something that people ought to be allowing the Lord to help them in and these principles in their life. Because why? We're talking about a relationship. They fear the Lord, honor the parents. And so then I want you to notice this. Let's go to chapter. Let's go to chapter two and let's look at this 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 passage. Look at chapter two, verse sixteen through nineteen. Now this is a father speaking to a son. 
to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger, which flattereth her with her words, which forsaketh the God of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death, and her past unto dead. Now, I want to say, here's the other one that he wrote down, and I think it's very important. I think that we all should take God's marriage covenant seriously. Now, the strange woman here doesn't mean that they're strange, they look strange. That means it's someone that's not yours. Now, he's trying to encourage his son not to do the wrong thing with someone that's not his spouse. Now, listen, I want everyone to hear me. We don't maximize on the mistakes, we maximize on the grace. And we know what God can do even in the most horrible of situations. No matter what's taking place in someone's life, in someone's marriage, God is able. And by the way, He is a mighty God. And it's amazing to me what He can do. But we live in a day where we live in this day where I do not believe that people really take the marriage covenant seriously. You say, why? Because we live more in a day of where people look at a marriage covenant like we're test driving a car. And what we do is we get in a relationship, we say, well, that's not quite what I thought it was, and so I tell you what, I'm just going to quit. Or I'm going to change cars. Or I'm going to trade this car in, and I'm going to go get another car. But listen, we ought to realize we've got to take serious the marriage covenant. And by the way, when we stood before God in that company, uh, we said we're going we're to love that one, and we're going to cherish that one, and, and we're going to be, nothing's going to separate us but death. Now listen to me, that's not always glamorous, it's not always romantic. But we ought to stick with it, Amen. And let me just say this, when we get married, we understand this, we marry someone that's human and they have, you and I have every opportunity because we are flesh, we can disappoint our spouses. Now can I say this? I started adding this to some of my counsel and you probably think, Pastor, that's awful rough. But you know what? Because people don't think they're marrying a sinner. When we get married... We think we're the only ones that's going to get married and nothing bad is going to happen in that relationship. And I'm marrying a perfect person and he, she's marrying a perfect person. But can I just say this to you? I want you to know, we are all married, including myself. We are married to people that is capable, listen to me now, to rip our hearts out and hurt us. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Listen to me. We're all humans. And by the way, the Bible says we're all sinners. And the Bible tells me that my heart, my heart, my heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, we don't like to admit these things because, boy, we say, oh, I'm a Christian and I never do wrong. Well, you're already in trouble because you have a haughty spirit. The Bible says we ought to be careful and guard ourselves because our flesh is desperately wicked. Our heart is desperately wicked. And I want you to know something, though. We ought to take our marriage covenant seriously. You say, well, pastor, do I have a right to divorce? Well, you have a right, but you also have a right to work on it and make it better. 
We're running around now in a country where everybody's just trying to get an excuse and give me a reason why I can quit this thing. I can give you hundreds why to stay at it and fight for it and love each other and let God help you. Serious stuff. Oh, I know some people say, well, I'll tell you right now, just be easier to quit. Well, it might be easier to quit, but it sure is worth it to fight. Serious about this thing. By the way, all of us are going to make mistakes. Can I say, my wife gives an illustration, and I know I'm probably going to butcher it. But I think it's some of the most powerful counsel that I've ever heard anybody give. When we're talking to a couple, and their hearts have been broken, and something has happened... She'll look at them and she'll say, okay, a tornado's hit your home. It's hit it. The tornado's come in and it's destroyed some stuff and it's tore up the house. But here's what she says. She says, but you've got an insurance policy. She said, you can either walk away and just say, hey, it's finished and it's over, or you can cash in the in the insurance policy. Listen to me. The insurance policy is Jesus Christ. And He can make all things not only new, He can make them better. And listen to me. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit what I'm doing. If I didn't believe that, if I didn't believe what I'm preaching right now, listen to me. I'll go do something else. I'll shut this Bible, I'll close it up, I'll walk out that door, I'll say, hey, look, he's a fake. I'm telling you right now, what I'm preaching is true. I want you to know something, no matter what happens in your marriage, God is good for it. Can I get a witness? I've said this before, and I mean it. I don't think my wife and I have ever counseled anybody that has had worse shape and a worse marriage than me and her had. Say, Pastor, why are you so passionate about it? Because I know what God can do. Listen, I know what we can do, but I also know what He can do. And I want you to know something He can do. He can do something amazing. Amen? How many of y'all believe that? What a mighty God we serve. I tell you what, we ought to take that covenant that we made with our spouse serious. What was that old saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance with the one that brought me. <laughs> I'm going to stick like what? What's that old? I'm going to stick like glue. I mean just stick like glue. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand what all we, what's all happened to us. I, well, they're just reasons for you to fight even longer. It, you have a love that you just ain't going to let each other go. Why do we always got to look at it negative? Well, you just don't know what's happened. Well, I know that, but I'll tell you right now. You could look at it like this. We just ain't going to let each other go. We've got a love that we're going to be stuck like glue. How many of you know, I had to get super glue out the other day. And don't y'all hate when that stuff gets on your fingers? I mean, you're doing this all day long, you know, just trying to scrape it off there. That's the way our marriages ought to be. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, you don't understand what she's done. You don't understand what he's done. No, I know that, but I know what he's done. I know the power of forgiveness. I know the power of healing. I know the power of restoration. I know the power of what he can do. So yes, I'm going to tell you all something right now. I believe he's the answer, don't y'all?
What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. How about y'all get in the car and sing that tonight? Can I get every man to do this? When you get in the car tonight with your family, would you do this? Would you just tell your wife one, just one thing how God spoke to your heart tonight? Would you do it tonight as you're driving home? Just one. Who knows what God might do with that? How many of you are glad that we have a book of Proverbs? We can receive instructions and wisdom, perception. How many of y'all want to take your marriage seriously, boy? God help us. I mean serious. I think it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. I can't remember, but I'm going to say it tonight. Well, I tell you right now, I don't let, I, I tell you what, if my wife's going to sleep somewhere else, it's going to get awful crowded on the couch because if she goes to the couch, I'm going to sleep there with her. Didn't you, I think your dad said that. He said, well, when Carolyn tries to leave me, she don't stay long and on the couch because he said, that's awful small on that couch because he said, I make her sleep with me. Kind of hard to leave somebody like that and won't let you go. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all know the last time me and my wife got in a fight. I mean, it was a good one, man. I'm telling you, it was a knockout, drag out. I had her on her knees. I'm telling you, I had her on her knees. Boy, she come in that bedroom and she, she looked up underneath that bed. And she said, come on out from under there and fight like a man. I told you, I said, hey. Had her on her knees. Some of y'all can't even laugh. That's good stuff right there. You say, Pastor, who are you more scared of anybody in this world? I'm going to tell you. Um, y'all see this little pretty little lady up here with the red sweater on? Her? You know why? It's not because she's mean. She loves me too much. Her love scares me. She just won't let me go. And I love her back for it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's ask God to help us to be the right kind of spouse. How many of y'all glad we have a God as a second chance God? You know what? He's a third chance God. He's a fourth chance God. He's a fifth chance God. I'm glad. He's merciful. He's long-suffering. He's loving. His, man, his love amazes me, and it's beyond my human comprehension. So God, help us to love like you. With our head bowed and eyes closed tonight, you say, I don't know. I needed this tonight. How many of you feel like you needed this tonight? Would you just raise your hand? you feel like you needed this tonight? Boy, I needed this tonight. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for your many blessings. Lord, I'm thankful you've never given up on me. And oh, I... I can relate to the Apostle Paul, oh, wretched man that I am. But Lord, thank you for loving me. 
I pray that you will take these words and help us, Lord, to expect these things, not from someone else, but from ourselves. I pray you'll help me to be a better listener. I pray you'll help me to fear you ultimately. I pray you'll help me to receive instruction, even when I don't want to. I pray that you'll help me to take my marriage and my covenant that I made with my precious wife very seriously. Lord, I just pray that you'll work in all of our hearts, strengthen our homes, strengthen our relationships, give us wisdom, give us instruction. And Lord, most people, all we need is hope. And Lord, we know that you give us hope. The world tells us to quit. The world tells us there's no reason to try. The world tells us all, y'all are finished. But Lord, we know that your love carries us on. And we know that we have hope in you. And Lord, I know that you can change our hearts and strengthen us and help us. And Lord, I pray you'll do that very thing. Now, I pray you'll help us and encourage us tonight. Take us home and help us to get home safely and bring us back at the next appointed time. And we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, God bless you. Have a great, great night.